Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Uh, three out of the top four in the UFO contact experiences were just like NDEs. Welcome to the Jeff Mara Podcast. Today's guest is Ray Hernandez. Ray is an attorney. He is also a PhD candidate at the University of California at Berkeley. And he is the director of the Consciousness and Contact Research Institute. Many of you, my listeners, are really interested in the topic of near-death experiences. So tonight we will have Ray discuss the connection between NDEs and extraterrestrial experiences. Ray, thank you so much for joining us this evening. I really appreciate your time. And can we please start with what is the mission of the Consciousness and Contact Research Institute? Okay. Um, the mission of the Consciousness and Contact Research Institute, is, first of all, the group uh, is made up of primarily uh, retired PhD academics. These are individuals from numerous fields. We have two, uh, a PhD physicist, uh, no, two PhD physicists, um, one from Princeton, um, uh, another one from Caltech. Uh, we have a retired professor from Harvard of astrophysics. We have uh, two professors of neuroscience, uh, PhDs in neuroscience, um, various uh, P, uh, PhDs in psychology, um, sociology. We have two sociologists, PhD sociologists, and, and various other fields. Uh, we also have five medical doctors that are part of our organization. And um, what we're trying to, uh, to do is to try to understand uh, what is consciousness, what is the nature of our reality. Our primary focus, uh, our niche of our focus, is um, all of us have uh, a hypothesis that all of what we're calling the contact modalities, which all of the, which is all of the different ways that humans are piercing the veil of our 3D reality and having various forms of uh, contact with non-human intelligence, i.e. Uh, near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences. Uh, ghosts and spirits, even shamanic journeys. People take ayahuasca or mushrooms and all of a sudden, you know, a being, a quote unquote, appears right in front of you and starts communicating with you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, UAP, which uh, most commonly called UFO contact experiences, um, uh, that uh, remote viewing, um, numerous other paranormal uh, experiences, that all of them are not separate and distinct uh a phenomenon that they're all it's one phenomenon mm. and it should be studied as one now the reason that all of us have that this hypothesis is that all of us have uh the hypothesis that consciousness is primary mm-hmm. i.e that the nature of our reality is not what we think it is <laughs> it's not just the 3d reality that we're experiencing in our in our life the similar to uh, a lot of the buddhist uh, philosophy Hindu philosophy that that our reality is um, is um, is is Maya, which is an illusion. Uh, we have similar perspectives, but we're doing it through um, a lot of advanced theories of, of physics. Um, 
uh, and that's being led by the PhD physicists in our group and the neuroscientists in our group. And um, so our reality is not what, what, what we think it is. Our perspective is that our reality is a multidimensional reality, which we just don't understand. We don't understand what is consciousness. We don't understand what is a multiverse. But um, as all of these physicists from these major institutions have told me, they said, Ray, if you get a PhD today in theoretical physics, you're going to be coming out as an adherent to a multiverse theory. Okay, that means that our reality is not what we think it is, that mm -hmm. it's actually different, um, um, uh, for lack of a better term, different dimensions, <laughs> mm -hmm. different realities that are out there. Now, there are different explanations to explain that. That's why there's a diversity of theory. Like, for example, there's something called uh, string theory. Mm -hmm. uh, there's something called simulation uh, theory, which several Nobel Prize winners in physics are, are now uh, at, uh, discussing uh, tenured faculty professors of theoretical physics from MIT, from Princeton, from uh, Caltech, and numerous other institutions are adherents now of simulation theory hypotheses, et cetera, et cetera. All of this uh, uh, leads to the, the the viewpoint that our reality is not what we think it is, much more complex. So what we've done is we've taken that, that, that foundation and we've applied it to the paranormal. Mm -hmm. And so what the Consciousness and Contact Research Institute is we're taking... Um, primarily retired academics, but also many doctors. Some of them are still working, the academics, some of the med medical doctors are still working, but primarily retired individuals. And what we're trying to understand is how are all of the paranormal uh, contact modalities interrelated? And so that's the work of the Consciousness and Contact Research Institute. And um, I'll, I'll be plugging this uh, numerous times during the show, but mm -hmm. uh, we can give you um, free documents to review. Like I sent you, we have uh, many other uh, documents that I could send out. Mm -hmm. Just send me an email at info at experiencer.org, info mm -hmm. at experiencer.org. Mm -hmm. And uh, now what, what uh, uh, we're going to be coming out with a new book in March of 2021, mm -hmm. and it's going to be a three volume series. Um, each book is going to be over 800 pages, a mm. lot, lot, lot to read. <laughs> and basically what each volume is going to be is roughly half of the articles will be written by these uh, members of the, of the Consciousness and Contact Research Institute, which some of them are going to be more academically focused. And some of them, even though they'll have an academic focus, they'll be written for the layperson. Mm. And then the, the other half will be articles written by experiencers individuals that are, are having these experiences of the contact modalities. And what we're trying to select are individuals that are having experiences with more than one type. For example, the first article from an experiencer that's going to lead this off is from a medical doctor, mm. a pediatrician. Mm -hmm. She's had um, two near-death experiences. She's had several out-of-body experiences. She's seen ghosts and spirits in her hospital after her NDE, and lo and behold, numerous people that have had near-death experiences later on have seen ghosts and spirits. Uh, my father was one of them. Um, uh, this other uh, medical doctor, Dr. Lynn Caston, uh, uh, who used to be the president of the International Association of Near-Death Studies, she also had um, like five NDE experiences and then seen ghosts and spirits. She's mm. also had, quote unquote, UFO type of experiences uh, herself. But a lot of these individuals uh, do not talk 
publicly about these experiences because of the fear and ridicule associated with it. Sure. She's also has seen uh, numerous UFOs, um, several of them witnessed with her husband, uh, where these uh, triangle uh, crafts that were like horizon to horizon slowly went over her and her husband because <laughs> um, mm-hmm. they live right at the edge of a um, of a national forest. And um, and so here's a woman, um, a, a pediatrician that's having all these paranormal experiences. So that's just one individual, but we're going to have a whole bunch of individuals that are having these diverse types of paranormal experiences uh, to show that they're all interrelated because Mm -hmm. these people are having more than one type of experience. Mm -hmm. And so it's going to be the academic side and the experiencer side. Mm -hmm. And uh, the book is a greater reality. And um, if you send me an email, I'll send you information about that research project and our book. Um, and we're doing um, the COVID held us up a little bit for about a year, but we're going to restart re- resuming uh, hopefully in November again. But we were delayed for um, since February, no, since excuse me, March uh, of our research. We want to be able to undertake a comprehensive academic research study of these experiences. They're going to be in our book and and thousands of others because. Uh, I'm sure on your radio show, you had mentioned near-death experiences. A lot of people were interested in that, that many of these individuals that have had NDEs have also had other types of paranormal experiences. Yes. So, uh, uh, but, but you know, that people don't, they have their little blinders on, mm-hmm. you know, their little uh, box. Uh, for example, I went, uh, went uh, maybe five years ago to International Association of Near-Death Studies mm-hmm. Conference. And I talked to the organizers of that, uh, the directors of that. These are mainly people that have had NDEs. Mm-hmm. And they were like, what the hell does NDE have to do with out-of-body experiences? Mm-hmm. What does NDEs have to do with UFOs? Mm-hmm. What the NDEs have to do with, you know, remote viewing? What does it, you know? Mm-hmm. So they had these little blinders on. Right. And if you talk to the UFO crowd, the UFO research, what the hell does NDE have to do with UFOs? That has nothing to do with it, you know? But um um, but later on, I'll talk about the work that we did with the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Free Foundation mm-hmm. and talk a little bit about Dr. Edgar Mitchell, uh, uh, the sixth man to walk on the moon, uh, uh, Apollo uh, 14 astronaut, mm-hmm. and the work that he did uh, on consciousness and uh, with the Institute for Noetic Sciences, which mm-hmm. is probably now um, uh, the most well-known academic research institute on consciousness and the psi phenomenon. Hmm. Um, so again, studying this academically, scientifically, mm-hmm. um, so I could give, give the readers that, that context, that background about that previous work that we were doing. Yes. Do you think that once someone has an NDE, I think you kind of use the word, they pierce the veil. And once they've kind of pierced that veil, it makes them more able to have contact with non-human, um, intelligence. Bingo. Bingo. <laughs> that's the key. Uh, that's the key characteristic of mm-hmm. many of these individuals that have had these diverse um, uh, experiences uh, via the contact modalities mm-hmm. for the late people that are out there, uh, you know, paranormal experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, for example. OK, mm-hmm. um, I've got a couple of friends that um, they were out there in another country taking ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. And um, they were meditating mm-hmm. and then boom, the, everybody, not one person, but everybody saw a UFO that appeared above them very mm-hmm. large. OK, mm-hmm. so um, people, I don't know if you ever heard the term CE5. Um, I prefer the term H-I-C-E, 
uh, human initiated contact experience, mm-hmm. which are individuals that um, that uh, organize in, in in groups, and they go out to let's say to Mount Shasta to the desert, um, uh, rural areas, and as a group, they attempt to um, to communicate, typically associated with with UFOs. Okay, mm-hmm. and in many of these cases, UFOs do appear, and and I would say. If, if you do it for a year straight, once a month, you will have a couple of sightings, UFO sightings. Wow. And we're not talking about a little flicker type of thing, okay? Right. And uh, for people that want to learn more about that, um, send me an email and I'll show uh, I'll link you up with um, with groups that are doing that, organizing that around the world. It's a very large movement. Um, now, again, this deals with consciousness. Here you are, you're meditating or praying, whatever mode you use. And you're putting, you know, um, information out to the universe and the universe responds. Okay. Um, I've personally had three of these, those, those experiences. The first time I ever tried it, I was just joking around. I was just killing time waiting for a friend to come by my house. I was outside waiting for him. And boom, this huge uh, UAP appears right on top of my next door neighbor's house. And that was witnessed by my daughter who was 10 years old. And my friend who came late, but he came with his wife and their 17-year-old daughter. And um, there's another attorney who has these monthly sessions in northern Florida. His name is Mike Merberg. And uh, he has a, 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 what he calls a CE5 contact group that meets on a monthly basis. So I brought a, a 12, in the, no, 10, 10 individuals from Miami. We rented a big uh, van <laughs> and we went up there. We stayed overnight with them. And... Uh, it was already 1230 at night. Everybody was freezing cold. It was February. Uh, that night was very chilly. Uh, the dew was on the ground. Everybody was like shivering. And, and and the people that were local, they went home. The people that I brought up, they all went to his house to, to sleep. And so, um, but I stayed that there. And Mike, who's a an attorney, uh, he got his uh, a, a BA uh, from Princeton University. So mm-hmm. we're not talking any smug down the street here, okay? Right. Um, we're talking about a highly educated individual. And and two other of his friends were out there, and we saw this this uh, huge object that was twice the size of a school bus, um, color uh, um, like the moon, all glowing, uh, coming right at us, and then like right in front of us so we could all see it turned, so like that we could see what it was. And it was an object that was elongated, but it was like twice the size of a school bus and it was like a hundred meters above us mm. that, 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 uh, you can't say flew, but that, that traveled, you know, um, so we could all see it very, very close. So I've, I've had several of these instances, but, um, many people that do this, which is called a CE five commonly called CE five people can Google it on, on the internet. And, um, and uh, uh, avoid this guy, Stephen Greer, okay? Because oh. <laughs> this guy was charging thirty $3,500 to go out and take people out there to the woods. And, and most of the time, they get sand flies, okay? Wow. Um, but there are many other reputable groups that do it um, either for free or or they just charge the rental fee, like for Mount Shasta, mm-hmm. the bathroom facilities and things of that sort. Or like uh, if they rent um, um, uh, in a national park, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just they cover the cost. So, um, so if you have any questions, people can send me an email at info at experiencer.org. So, but, but the whole point I'm getting at is that all of this is all, you know, one phenomenon. It's not separate. Mm-hmm. With that phenomena, when you're in these group experiences or when you were on your porch, 
and I'm assuming that you've had a previous experiences before this, how are you and or the people getting the UFOs to appear? I mean, are you doing something special? Are you praying or meditating to get them to appear? Or do they know that you've already pierced the veil somehow and you have some kind of contact and you're asking them, hey, will you please show up to show my friends? Is that what's going on? Or- That's usually the case. Okay. <laughs> uh, if people, all of the people in the group uh, have not had any experiences, um, the, all, the likelihood is that nothing will occur. But if uh, you have one person, uh, some people refer to that person as an antenna. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's like someone that puts, you know, the consciousness desire mm-hmm. out uh, for contact, uh, that person will reach whatever mm-hmm. intelligence is responding. Um, we're, we're totally clueless as to what the hell is going on. A lot of people, you know, oh, it's UFOs, it's ETs and things like that. No, no, it's a little bit more complicated than that. Because whatever this intelligence is, it's uh, ability to manipulate space and time. But 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 let me give you a, a response based upon my personal experiences. Okay. Um, my first experience was a joint experience with my wife and occurred in March of 2012. Okay. Um, I found out later that my wife, when she was young, she had a lot of um, paranormal experiences uh, when she was young, um, including playing with little people <laughs> mm. uh, throughout all of her childhood. She mm. only told me like a year ago. Because uh, she's um, she's very religious, and that that was a big big clash mm-hmm. with her growing up being being religious. But basically, what, what happened was that we had a a fifteen year old Jack Russell Terrier who who became um, uh, paralyzed, and then my wife had just come from a three day ret- retreat at the at at her Catholic church, where all they did for three days is just pray. Okay, so what did she do? She continued praying all night. And I was like, okay, good luck. I'm going to sleep. You know, mm-hmm. 12 o'clock at night, I'm going to sleep. Okay. So the next morning, the dog, the only thing that the dog could do was bark. So the dog uh, woke us up by barking and we both got up, we checked her out and the dog was still paralyzed. So I went back to sleep. And so she carried her down the stairs to see if she could go to the bathroom. So this was going to be her last day on earth here as a, right. as a 3D uh, being, because we already had made arrangements with our vet to euthanize her the next day. And so um, when she got down the stairs, she saw an object, a physical object in our living room. And what it looked like was an upside down U that um, was silverish in color, Hmm. Um, like, like, like this, right. But it was large. It wasn't small. (laughs) It wasn't an orb or anything like that. It was, it was uh, roughly um, two and a half feet wide by three feet in height. And it was like that. And uh, it was phasing in and out of reality. Like, um, for like a couple of seconds, it was uh, solid silver. And then all of a sudden, when she was like looking at the windows to see if it was like a, an, 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 the, the light reflection doing some type of an illusion in the living room, and she said it didn't like it, that I was questioning it. And it started to phase out of reality. Mm. And then when she you know, pulled, pulled back, then it became more solid. And then um, these two uh, green lasers started like scanning her. And at that point, she knelt down and started praying. Because she said, "This is my angel," you know mm-hmm. that um, that that responded because she was praying uh, to uh, to Christ and to the Virgin Mary, right? You know, for to, for assistance for for our dog. And so um, then the next thing is uh, she started yelling for me, and she was like, "Ray, Ray, Ray, Ray!" Now, mind mm-hmm. you, you know, I went to Berkeley for a PhD, 
-hmm. I went to Cornell for a master's. Mm -hmm. I'm a tax attorney now. So I was a total atheist, atheist, material rationalist. That means science and logic is what guides you. Uh, Mm -hmm. I had no conception at all of spirituality, anything paranormal. Mm -hmm. And so so I didn't respond. You know, I said she probably saw a a little mouse or something like that in the house, even though, you know, I never seen a mouse in our house, you know. Mm -hmm. So I totally ignored it. Sunday morning is like, let me sleep, you know. And so she then went upstairs and hauled me out of bed physically. And she's and I said, what is it? What is it? I said, you'll see. You'll see. What is it? What is it? You'll see. Okay, Okay, you know. I'm going to have to chase this, my, this mouse mm. now, you know, <laughs> that's what I was thinking in my head. Mm. So she was going in front of me, going down the stairs. She was like two or three flights uh, ahead of me. And um, and then all of a sudden she gets to uh, the, the living room, sort of like maybe one third of the way in and poof, she disappears with the dog. Wow. Okay? And, and, in, and what I'm going to tell you now is instantaneously. I mean, um, rapidly. Mm. Um, it's like a, a fraction of a second, <laughs> uh, all of these things took place. Immediately, um, what what I saw uh, in the corner of the living room, I had like tunnel vision. If you put like this in your eye, mm-hmm. you don't see anything on the periphery. Mm-hmm. You just see, you know, the, what you're looking at the tunnel. Okay. So there was nothing around it. I couldn't see. Okay. It was all blocked. And then, um, which is like forcing me to see that specific thing. And what I saw what, is what I now call an energy being. And let me describe it to you. It was um, roughly two and a half feet wide by about maybe a foot in height. And it was uh, like hovering or floating four feet off the ground. And it was um, multiple colors, multiple colors, like, uh, like, like plasma energy waving like a desert mirage, you know, like that, you know, mm-hmm. and um, se- uh, translucent. Right. So I could see the black wall. The, the, the wall of, of, uh, of our uh, living room behind it. Mm-hmm. And then whatever this intelligence was, it totally usurped my thinking, my consciousness, okay? Now, here I am, a man with all this logic and all this, you know, rationality. I'm, I didn't care that my wife disappeared. The dog disappeared. Mm-hmm. I looked at it and I squinted at it and I said, I, I, I won't say the curse that I said, but basically mm-hmm. I said, ah, you know, BS, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what she woke me up for, for this, you know, this junk, you know, uh, uh, I'm going back to sleep. So then I turned around, walked back up the stairs, went to my bed, put my hands on my chest like this. And I looked straight up and I was knocked out. Okay. Mm. Um, almost an hour later, like 50 minutes later, when I woke up, I was now fully conscious now. And I was like, what the, you know, what <laughs> the four letter word, you know, mm-hmm. and I ran down the stairs and then poof, my wife, you know, like reappears. She looks down on the ground and she sees our dog running around the entire living room and she busts out with her hands in the air. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The angels mm-hmm. cured her. The angels cured her, you know, mm-hmm. and in my head uh, it was like an a- atom bomb exploded, you know, in my mind, you know, it was like, what, the, you know, mm-hmm. um, I won't I won't cuss in front of your audience, yeah. but that was what you're thinking in your head. Right. And so um and then it took me like a couple of seconds to compose myself, you know. Uh-huh. And and then I asked her, I said, Where were you? Where were you? You were gone. Look at the time, it's seven o'clock now. We woke up at six. Where were you? She goes, I wasn't there anywhere. You know, uh, uh, later on, six months later, we learned of this concept called missing time. Hmm. And it's a very common um uh, experience that a lot of UFO contact experiencers have. 
they have very large gaps of missing time. The medical doctor has had numerous of those experiences and numerous other UFO contactees. Um, so that's called missing time. Um, um, and and um, so my wife was gone. Who knows where? She doesn't remember at all. To her, it was like she went down the stairs. She looked down. The dog was running around. She started celebrating. Hmm. Okay. That's what I saw. And that's what she experienced. But there was an hour gap there. Okay. So then um, at that point, um, I thought it was uh, paranormal related. Uh, but um, and so I was on the internet, you know, paranormal this, paranormal that, you know, trying to, what the hell was this that happened to us, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, and uh, uh, and I couldn't find anything to closely resemble what had happened to us. Um, it wasn't UFO related, wasn't near-death experiences, wasn't out-of-body experience. It wasn't what you normally would refer to as an ET, you know? What the hell was that, you know? Mm -hmm. And then it was uh, about two and a half months later that uh, our dog, now fully healed, she was running around like a teenager, okay? Mm -hmm. Mind you, she was 15 years old, and before that miraculous medical healing, mm -hmm. she um, was quite ill. She couldn't run. She couldn't jump. She had severe arthritis. She was taking Viagra for her heart, uh, diuretics to flush out the SX uh, liquids in, in, in her body like, like an old person. And, and now she was like walking and running around like a teenager, jumping and, and um, you know, fully healthy. And so, um, so the dog woke her up. This is about two and a half uh, months later at 3.30 in the morning. And so my wife then, okay, maybe she wants to go to the bathroom. I'll open the door, right? So my wife was opening the back door, and the dog was jumping in the front door. And she never did that unless we had a chain, and she knew we're going for a walk or we're going for the in the car. Mm -hmm. And um, so anyway, my wife opened the front door, um, and uh, she goes uh, like three steps down. Uh, uh, we live in a cul-de-sac, uh, very large, you know, lots. Um, and then uh, all of a sudden she hears a noise. She said it was like a 747 jet was right above her. And I said, well, how long did that last? And she said, with about a minute, minute and a half. And um, how loud was it? She says, it was loud enough that everyone should have turned on their lights in the whole neighborhood. That's how loud it was. And what happened then? All of a sudden it stopped. Uh, I looked up and there was a good year blimp, hmm. you know, <laughs> like, like not literally on top of her, but at an angle that she could see. And then she goes, um, but that's not how she described it to me. The way she started that morning was that, oh, my angels came and visited me. They came in a beautiful angelic craft that had stained glass windows, just like our church all around it, you know. And so I asked her, you know, to, to draw it and she drew it. And it was like a, a an elongated Goodyear blimp, mm -hmm. um, you know, long. Uh, and on the edges, on the sides was all these lights. Hmm. And so... Um, I said, you drew a UFO. I said, you're an atheist. You wouldn't understand, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so um, um, now I've come to realize that her terminology was better than mine because uh, I call this intelligence that's been interacting with me modern angels because they have all the qualities of what people think of an angel, okay, and um, um, all of them, okay, Um and so anyway, to fast track the, the discussion here, uh, then I knew that this was UFO related. Okay. So I ordered, you know, UFO books from Amazon. I went to the internet, UFO stuff. And, um, and then um, my wife went to Mexico and she would pray at night. Okay. She spent a month there with her family members in, in three different cities. 
in each city, these huge UFOs would appear. Okay. And it was through prayer. She was calling down to see her angels. Mm. Okay. And uh, uh, twice her family members saw them. Okay. Um, so, you know, there was validation. And not one person, uh, for example, her sister, uh, her two daughters, which are both teenagers, and then in a caravan that they were coming, uh, uh, in the second car behind, there were two dentists, there was an attorney, and there was an architect. They had just come from a baptism. My wife had spoken with a cousin of hers, a second cousin, that admitted to her she was having all these experiences. And then they said, okay, at 9 o'clock, we'll call down a UFO, right? So, But they got delayed at that baptism party, and they left late. So um, uh, uh, 9 o'clock, and they were on their way, and the trip took an hour and a half to get to the other city that they were going. Mm -hmm. So at 9.30, this huge UFO descended from the sky, and these people in these two cars all saw it. It beamed down a blue light in front of the lead car uh, for like a minute. That uh, the the car was going up these you know these hills you know in this rural area, and this blue light was right in front of it the whole time. Wow. And then after like a, a minute, the blue light then you know stopped, and then uh, the it was like a purplish color large orb. Mm-hmm. That's what they were seeing. It was very very large. Um, and then all of a sudden it went choo, you know it just took off. Uh, uh, rapidly you know and instantaneously because they couldn't see it anymore Hmm. so um so then then i I knew that she was having the what is commonly called these ufo experiences and she was actually doing what is commonly called human initiated contact experience or ce5 Hmm. um which i later learned about these these concepts and these terms Hmm. but in terms of your your question of how do people do that um and how did i do it well what happened was it was uh september this is six months after that initial experience uh, in my living room. I hadn't had any experiences. Mm-hmm. And my wife was having all these experiences. And so a friend of mine called me and um, uh, he had all these parking tickets. And he wanted to go to court one time instead of 12 different times. Mm-hmm. I said, Ray, what should I do? I said, give me all the parking tickets and I'll do a motion to consolidate. Mm-hmm. I mean, we put all the parking tickets in one motion. You go to court one time and you settle mm-hmm. with the court, you know, mm-hmm. and pay these tickets all at once. And so I said, but I need the tickets. So he called me like a few days later. He says, Ray, I got the parking tickets. And I said, where are you at? And he says, I'm real close. So this was August, um, uh, towards the end of August. Mm-hmm. And it was very hot. I had shorts and a, a, a white T-shirt. And so I said, okay, I'll wait for you outside. Uh, thinking was it going to be a quick thing, right? So I'm waiting and waiting. He doesn't show up. This is at 930 at night, so it was already dark. And and all of a sudden, I remember seeing this guy called Prophet Yahweh, <laughs> uh, this heavy set black man, mm-hmm. uh, speaking in Hebrew and uh, in the middle of the day. And these little uh, UFOs would appear, and he had a camcorder, and he was recording it. Mm-hmm. And 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 I had seen that like the day before, so I said, oh, "What the hell? Let's give it a try," you know. And so, you know, I didn't speak Hebrew, and I'm not the praying type, you know. My wife was, mm-hmm. but what I did is I put out a desire to thank them mm-hmm. because um, they cured our dog. Our dog was like a a, a child to us, mm-hmm. um, and um, so I wanted to thank them. And I would say, you know, my wife has had an opportunity to interact with you, to personally thank you on many occasions. I want to be able to do it. Um, uh, please show up. I want to be able to to give you my gratitude. In the beginning, I was like, you know, not very committal to it. It was I was just killing time. But mm-hmm. then once I got into it, then I became very emotional. Mm-hmm. You know, um, um, the emotion took over. And um, after like 15 minutes, I said, 
what a freaking asshole. You know, mm. I'm going crazy here calling down the UFO. I need mm. to stop this UFO crap right now because mm-hmm. I'm going, you know, or nuts, you know. <laughs> and as soon as I said that, right on top of my next door uh, neighbor's house, he has a ranch house. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, low to the ground, mm-hmm. um, was this huge object that was the size of a small football stadium. Mm-hmm. It was like 100 meters up, like 600 meters back. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could picture like a Goodyear blimp, but they had three different sections. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was uh, initially was made up of um, oblong streaks of light mm-hmm. that formed the whole shell of this object. And inside was all this white plasma that was swirling around, mm-hmm. but it was also uh, transparent. You could see mm-hmm. the clouds behind it. Mm-hmm. The, it was a, a totally cloudy uh, uh, night. You couldn't see any stars whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And then there was telepathic communication that took place mm-hmm. between myself and whatever that intelligence was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a very detailed um, uh, explanation I'll have to give you of what occurred. But there was telepathic communication. It, uh, after my friends come um, and they had told me to get my daughter, this is whatever this intelligence was. So here mm-hmm. I am calling my 10-year-old daughter which is crazy, you know, mm-hmm. a normal person would not bring a 10 year old child out to see that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but yet in my head, they controlled my, my thinking, my consciousness. Mm-hmm. And they told me to get my daughter and like, uh, you know, a, a ba- a, based upon those instructions, I went out and got it, but it wasn't, I wasn't conscious of what was taking place. It's mm-hmm. like, um, I was like in a trance. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's how it worked. Well, let me stop you there real and, quick. Um, and then my friends, yeah, I want to go go back and ask you when you were calling for it. Were you thinking it, or were you physically talking and speaking when you were calling for no, it? No, no, I wasn't physically talking. No, so you just no. you just kept no, thinking no, it, it over all... and over. Okay, correct. And um, and then and then I heard a voice, uh, Daddy. You and Mommy have seen UFOs. Mm. Next time you go see a UFO, you call me. All right, Daddy. Don't forget, mm. my daughter had never told me that. Okay, mm. but in my head was like. My daughter wants to see it. My daughter wants to see it. So here I am yelling out to my daughter outside the window. She opens up her window, and um, which is you know weird for me to do that. And plus, it was she was still up? It was nine thirty at night. Uh, I think it was a weekend, you know. So mm-hmm. maybe I don't know if it was Friday night or Saturday night. I forgot what it, what day it was. Mm-hmm. So she runs out there. I tell her, it's a run outside. There's a UFO. And then, uh, like 15 minutes later, you know, we, my daughter and I were watching this, and we weren't scared at all. It's like you're watching the Fourth of July fireworks. You know, mm-hmm. that's how we both felt. And then all of a sudden, my friend comes with his wife and their 17 year old child, mm-hmm. and they leave the car right in the middle of the cul-de-sac. They run to us. They say, "Ray, what the hell is that?" Mm-hmm. I said, "You know damn well what it is." And they said, and both of them said, "No, it can't be. It can't be." You know. Mm-hmm. So then they try to come up with explanations of what it was. So after like a minute and a half of them trying to explain it away, I just busted out laughing because each explanation was more sillier than the other one. Mm-hmm. Uh, like for example, they were talking about circus lights. I don't know if you've ever seen those that they beam up and it goes like this from side to side. Mm-hmm. Um, in uh, in rural areas that they, they have that and in cities too, you know, in mm-hmm. parks or very large parks. Uh, they talked about the, um, uh, the cars, the, the, the head, the head beams would be bouncing off the sky and radiating and doing that. I said, well, there has to be thousands of them because there's thousands of these, uh, uh, oblong streaks of light, you know? Mm-hmm. And so each explanation got more silly. And then all of a sudden I busted out laughing. And so in my head, again, everything was all in my head and, and don't tell me why I did it. I just did it, okay? Uh, very naturally, okay? Like it was, you know, I've done this like a million times. Very naturally, I thought 
can, can I do a little curse with this group here? <laughs> uh, well, uh, I said, you better come up with some better shit than this because my friends don't believe you. Yeah. Okay. Instantaneously, once I thought that, okay, what we were watching totally uh, was eliminated from the sky. And what replaced it were hundreds of um, stars that were like 10 times the size of Venus. So they weren't stars. It was like, you know, very, very large objects. Mm -hmm. And they were all blinking on and off, like on and off, on and off like this. Mm -hmm. You know, hundreds of them in the sky, on and off, on and off. Just the the closest comparison I could give is like um, uh, people at night, they have these bikes with these uh, flashing lights that go like this. I don't know if you've ever seen those. Um, Okay. Well, that's the best explanation that I can give it. These flashing lights behind bikes at night um, that are on and off, on and off, on and off like that. And then um, certain of these these objects um, would then get very big, like the size of the moon, and then shrink down. Hmm. And it would be doing it in different sections. Uh, And then everybody stopped trying to explain it away. They knew that this was not natural. Mm -hmm. And then um, all of a sudden... After that, within like five minutes of watching that, my friends, Ray, we got to go. We got things to do. You know, we have businesses to run. So oh, don't worry about it. Uh, I know you're busy. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. that's not logical. You're watching a once in a lifetime experience. Mm-hmm. These people come here, they watch it for five minutes. All of a sudden they got to leave. You know, mm-hmm. uh, what, what I now suspect was that they came. So I would have some witnesses to this, mm-hmm. that this wasn't Ray and his daughter going crazy. You know, right. here there, there's witnesses that watch this too. Right. And then, um, and then my daughter and I stayed another 15 minutes uh, watching this all together. It was, I would say it's close to 50. Yeah. 50 minutes, an hour. We were watching mm-hmm. this, uh, the total time frame. My, my, since I first, when I first called it, Okay. Um, and then all of a sudden, I felt like I was being attacked by mosquitoes, hundreds of mosquitoes. So mm. I was slapping my legs, slapping my arms. And so I grabbed my daughter and I, and I said, come on, let's get out of here. These mosquitoes are killing me. I can't take anymore. Mm-hmm. So we go inside the house and I'm holding her hand the whole time. We go inside and the door was wide open. Okay. So I'm telling my wife and she was like, oh, how nice. Mm-hmm. Like she was just waking up, you know, from a trance or something like that. And then uh, I told her what happened. And then I told her we had to go inside because these mosquitoes were just eating me up. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, my daughter goes to me, Daddy, there were no mosquitoes outside. And it's like the hypnotist snapped, snapped their finger, and I woke up out of the trance. And all of a sudden, I was fully conscious. And I was like, holy cow, you know, what the hell just happened? And I ran downstairs. I grabbed my, my video camera, my professional camera. I ran outside. Nothing. <laughs> it was God. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now all of us had cell phones. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause the common question is that if there's so many people seeing UFOs out there, how come we don't have any good pictures? Okay? Right. Now the pictures that are uh, the people that do a lot of these CE5 experiences, the vast majority of them and the people that do see UFOs, they see it at a distance. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you never see a picture of a UFO up close. Mm-hmm. Now I'll tell you the reason why they don't let you. Hmm. Okay, if they're able to read, uh, but people don't understand, we're dealing with an intelligence that's able to go like a computer. Okay, you you know, the computer uploads and downloads. Mm -hmm. Okay, whatever this intelligence is, is ever to go into your consciousness, upload all your thoughts, all your memories, languages, the whole It's like a computer database of what's in your mind and your history, your whole life. Okay, they're able to upload that and then download information to you. Okay, 
And what a lot of the members of our group uh, hypothesize is that what we're seeing are holographic projections. Okay, that we're, what we're seeing really doesn't exist. That these are holographic projections from you know the, this this uh, non-human intelligence, multi-dimensional non-human intelligence that we're interacting with. Right. Um, and as a matter of fact, there's an article by uh, um, a chapter in our book by one of our medical doctors, Dr. Joseph Burks, and he's a retired emergency room physician. And he's been doing what is commonly called CE5 since the early 90s, okay? And he's had a whole boatload of, of paranormal experiences of, of calling down UFOs, um, uh, and he, he's, uh, he's documenting that in that chapter. Now, this man was uh, is a retired emergency room physician. Uh, he worked... Um, uh, at one time in Kaiser Permanente in Los Angeles, you know, he was like, I don't know if he was uh, the head of emergency medicine. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, highly respected man. And, um, but he's coming out of the closet to discuss all these things. And so he has a hypothesis that these are holographic projections. And, um, and many of the people that do the CE5 type of experiences, not the majority, but many are now coming across to that hypothesis that these are holographic projections. And that get, gets back to a multidimensional reality, how we are interacting with our cosmology via consciousness. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Edgar Mitchell, um, 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 who um, was one of the co-founders of the, uh, together with myself and Dr. Rudy Shields, um, a, re- a retired professor of astrophysics from Harvard, and this UFO researcher uh, named Mary Rodwell, uh, we were the four co-founders for this organization called the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Free Foundation. Now, um, Edgar Mitchell was one of the pioneers on conscious in consciousness studies and the paranormal and ESP. Um, he was the sixth man to walk on the moon, Apollo 14 astronaut. He received a PhD from MIT. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking about some, some schmuck here, okay? Mm-hmm. We're talking about... Uh, uh, a genius. Uh, mm-hmm. And so um, he had a paranormal experience out in space. Okay. And when he returned, he wanted to find out what the hell happened to him. Mm-hmm. And then he found out what it, well, what happened to him is called a Samadhi experience where you get this instant download of, of universal knowledge. Mm-hmm. Okay. That we're all interconnected. And then just as quickly it gets taken away. Okay. Now, if you talk to enough people that have had near-death experiences, okay, many of these individuals have had these downloads of awareness of everything. Okay, especially people have had these profound, very deep um, near NDEs. They uh, tap into, you know, the universal mind, God, whatever you might want to call it, and they revert back to becoming part of God. You know, part mm-hmm. of the universal consciousness, and they get all that knowledge. But when they come back, it's like it's gone. And they all say, I had all my answers addressed. I knew everything, you know, but now I don't. It's like they knew they had it, but it was taken away. Mm. So uh, if you you talk to enough NDE people, they'll mention that. Mm. Um, All the NDE researchers, the major NDE researchers also acknowledge that. So, again, it also happens via the UFO contact experience. Edgar Mitchell had that. So when he came back... um, he had an interest in the paranormal and ESP and in cosmology and consciousness. And he founded a year after he came back from the, the moon at, uh, while he was working at Stanford University at the Stanford Research Institute. 
he founded the um, uh, the Institute for Noetic Sciences, which is now the leading academic um, uh, institute that studies the psi phenomena, uh, ESP, um, precognition, all aspects of the ESP, together with um, out-of-body experiences, um, with channeling, uh, precognition, all the all these type of issues. So Edgar, um, he wrote a book in 19, I think it was published in 1973, I think, or four. Um, and it was a book pretty much on what we're doing now, you know, on the contact modalities. Um, and he uh, was trying to uh, get authors to write chapters about different themes. So even Edgar back then had that. Okay. He then later on hooked up with Dr. Rudy Shields, this retired professor of astrophysics, who pointed out uh, like 10 years ago that Stephen Hawking was wrong about black holes. Okay. Hmm. Hawking uh, eventually admitted he had been wrong about black holes, um, but Rudy never received the credit that, hmm. that, that Hawking's got. Um, and so Rudy was an expert in black holes. He's published numerous peer-reviewed academic articles on, on black holes. And he became interested in uh, consciousness issues and the paranormal because he was a close friend of the late Dr. John Mack, who was a medical doctor at uh, the Harvard Medical School. And Dr. John Mack was a, a psychiatrist, a full tenured professor at the Harvard Medical School. And he... Uh, began to um, interview individuals that have had UFO contact experiences. And he wrote a book titled Passport to the Cosmos back in 1991, I think it was. And so what happened was that Harvard then, want, uh, they had an, uh, like an inquisition to see if they could fire him. <laughs> and Rudy was one of the few faculty members that publicly supported his work and said physicists are now talking about multidimensional theories. Hmm. that we don't live in our reality. And so Dr. Mack was talking about these UFO contact experiences that were being brought to other realities, okay? So he's saying this guy's talking about quackery, but in fact, he's talking about what a lot of the physicists were beginning to understand uh, hmm. theoretically. Hmm. Um, and so uh, Dr. Mack died, I think, in uh, the end of 91 or 92, around that time frame. Oh, 94, I think it was. I'm not exactly sure. But that's how Rudy became interested in, in the paranormal and also uh, in consciousness studies. Then he eventually hooked up with Edgar Mitchell. Now, Edgar Mitchell, another article that we're going to have in our book, he wrote an article um, titled um, The uh, Holographic Theory of Consciousness. And that is that we live in a hologram, in a series of holograms. Mm -hmm. Okay? And that is not something that... Um, that uh, that he came up with, he built it upon theories of David Bohm, who was um, a colleague of Albert Einstein at Princeton. David Bohm was a tenured professor at, at Princeton. Um, he then became known as one of the world's leading theoretical physicists, um, and also um, uh, a, a, another neuroscientist from Stanford University uh, called Carl Primum, and he was pretty much one of the godfathers of modern neuroscience. Mm. And they both teamed up and they came up with this uh, theory of the holographic universe. Mm. So Edgar then worked with a team of like 20 PhD physicists to elaborate on that theory. So that's going to be in our, our book as, as well. And again, it's this merging of the paranormal with modern physics. Mm. Um, so Edgar, uh, Rudy, myself and Mary Rodwell, we started this uh, organization called the uh, eventually became called the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Free Foundation. And so uh, the, the, what we did is we undertook a five-year academic research study 
of individuals that had seen UFOs mm -hmm. and have had contact with non-human intelligence. Now, no one had ever done a, a, a comprehensive statistical research study on this phenomenon. What you had uh, was what you see on the internet, or these people that go to UFO conferences. You have these uh, pseudo-researchers who basically go around interviewing, you know, tons of people and then presenting what these people are saying. Um, the, you have hundreds of books from experiencers that talk about their personal experiences. But in terms of data, nada. It never existed. And so what, what we did is we did a, a study that focused – uh, much more comprehensively of the issue instead of what was circulating in the field of ufology. We focused on the paranormal, um, the the whole aspects of, of the multiverse, of spirituality, how these people changed. We asked like 60 questions. How were you before and how are you now? Um, and numerous other types of questions. Um, and um, uh, five years it took us to administer that. And we eventually published a book two years ago titled uh, Beyond UFOs. It's uh, an 820-page book. It's super wow. thick. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and it's uh, the, the research findings from our study. And um, uh, it's Beyond UFOs, the Science of Consciousness and Contact with Non-Human Intelligence. And um, we can go over the major findings from that. It's the summary that I gave you, if, if you'd like. So your audience members begins to understand that the UFO contact phenomenon is not that BS that you read on the internet. It's something totally radically different. And we eventually wound up with 4,200 individuals mm -hmm. from over 100 countries that took our surveys. I mean, mm -hmm. that's a hell of a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so um, uh, it, it wasn't just on these anecdotal people, five or six or 10 or 20 or 30 people. No, there's 4,200 people. Mm -hmm. that took a 600-question a, a quantitative survey mm -hmm. and uh, 70 open-ended questions, which is we asked 70 questions, and we asked people to write out the details to, mm -hmm. to the questions. So this was a huge undertaking. I would assume with that many questions, it would kind of weed out the number of people that would be there just, you know, making up some BS. You know what I mean? Yeah, we, 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 we asked some trick questions in there. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and then uh, we had um, phase one, the quantitative uh, part. The first one was like about 100 questions. Mm -hmm. The next one was like 500 questions. Yeah. We saw a drop off um, of roughly 50% mm -hmm. um, uh, from the first one to the second one. And then for the, the written responses, uh, we had uh, from 4,200 to about 1,000. 350 people that did the, the all three phases, mm -hmm. but still it's a huge number. Yes. But at least the quantitative, the quantitative <laughs> questions, uh, we had 4,200 people. Yeah, so it nice. was these huge numbers. Would you say that most of these people that had contact were the majority of them not classified as being abducted, but contacted in other ways? Uh, we're talking about, um, in order to qualify to take our survey, you needed to have seen a UFO okay, and some type of contact with non-human intelligence. Right. So that was the criteria. Now, in our survey, we found out that only one third of the people stated that they had a quote unquote abduction. Right. Okay. Now, out of that one third of the people, that's where we get the small numbers that eventually viewed the experiences as negative. Okay. Hmm. Um, what we found out was that 37% of the people initially viewed their contact experiences uh, as negative. Okay. Initially. Uh, 
But yet we asked them to say, okay, now, now that you're taking our survey, you know, how would you rate the experience? Was it um, highly negative, slightly negative, neutral, slightly positive, or highly positive? Okay. Mm -hmm. The negative, either the slightly or the highly negative, was like less than 4%. Mm. Okay. The overwhelming majority was positive. Mm. Okay. Um, and um, there was also a large sampling that was, uh, that was neutral. Those mm. are people that didn't have a lot of major experiences. Mm. They've just had a few. But the people that have had a lot of experiences over the years, overwhelming, that number is highly positive. Okay. So that's one of the questions that we wanted to address in our survey. Mm-hmm. Were these experiences, you know, positive, negative, or neutral? So we asked that question in more than 20 different ways. Okay. We also asked that question about um, different beings. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, what we found out was that the vast majority of the type of beings that people were seeing were energy beings. It wasn't a short gray. It wasn't uh, these reptilians and all this crap that's circulating on the internet. You know, mm-hmm. the vast majority were these energy beings. And most people described it similar to a near-death experience. Mm-hmm. When they have these interactions with, you know, quote-unquote God, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that people said, uh, I was uh, introduced to my family members. And after uh, my family members and, and I communicated, and they appeared physically like a, like a ghost or a spirit, but they were human looking. Um, Vast majority of the cases were young, you know, the people that they saw, the family members. But then many of the people were then uh, had um, communication with uh, a being that they called God. Okay. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of these cases where it was not a human being with a robe, you know, (laughs) or a tunic or something like that. It was this energy being was this glowing radiant energy. That's what uh, what a, a lot of the people saw in these UFO contact experiences. Um, and so that was number one. Do you think that a lot of people in NDEs mistake an energy being? Maybe we're pretty down, we're pretty low on the intelligence scale. And so we could misinterpret just some powerful energy being as God because it seems magical to us. And so they're so far beyond that. But so do you think that they're seeing the actual source of life, God, or however you want to experience that, or just a super powerful energy being? At at this point, you know, the way, um, not only myself, but all the members of our organization, Mm -hmm. we're talking about, you know, highly respected academics and Mm -hmm. people have been in studying this field for numerous times. All of them say, we don't know squat. (laughs) We don't know a damn worth about what really is going on. We don't know what consciousness is, what's the nature of our reality, Mm -hmm. our cosmology. Uh, We can speculate. um, And I have my own speculations, Mm -hmm. but, but, but what we're trying to do is at least with the UFO contact experience, our first study was to be able to document it, Mm -hmm. you know? So at least all the BS that's circulating on the internet, you know, so we can clarify that, you know, Mm -hmm. um, for example, we found out that the number two type of being was the human looking being. Okay. But if you would go to the internet, it's all these short grays. Now the short grays were just uh, very similar to the human looking beings in terms of numbers. Mm -hmm. The short grays was about a thousand three hundred approximately people Mm -hmm. that saw these little uh, three foot tall beings with the large head, the big eyes, the long arms. So we're not saying that doesn't exist. I mean, Mm -hmm. thousand three hundred people said yes. And it was about 1,450 show the human-looking beings. And there's different formats for the human-looking beings. 
and then um, then number fourth would come a whole you know series of different types of physical beings. Uh, number four actually was the 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 ghost or spirit form, mm -hmm. where you know people normally uh, associate as as a ghost. That was number four. Mm -hmm. uh, so people have seen a UFO, but they've also seen, seen ghosts. You know what mm -hmm. they perceive to be a ghost. You know. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, again, it's much more complicated than these abduction type of stories that people are saying. Mm -hmm. So um, the uh, and then we asked for these different types of beings, you know, was their experience, you know, highly negative, slightly negative, neutral, slightly positive, highly positive. Right. For each of these different beings, we had 12 categories. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, for the grades, for example, you go to the Internet, you associate with the UFO contact as only an abduction, only an abduction. Mm -hmm. And then it's these grays that are doing it to you. And that all of these experiences are all horrible right. and negative. Well, the survey of almost, as I said, 1,350 people, uh, their experiences with the small grays, 60% said it was neutral. Hmm. Negative was only 10.5%. Uh, hmm. Okay? This is not what the, the ufology field thinks it is. Right. Because it's all this misinformation that's been circulating because no one's ever done the study before, you know. Right. Um, so um, uh, we ask questions. Um, if you could stop your contact experiences, would you stop them? Okay. Eighty six percent said no. Keep it coming, baby. Keep it coming. Mm -hmm. So if this is so horrible. Why do these people saying no? You know, mm -hmm. let it continue. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, as I said, we asked that question in numerous different ways. Because depending how you ask a question, you get a different response. Okay, then we also uh, ask tons of questions about paranormal type of uh, uh, aspects of the phenomenon. And what we discovered was that these people, yes, they've had physical experiences, like in my case. Okay, I've um, seen UFOs that I've called down, you know, four times that was large. One time it was a little one. Okay, mm -hmm. but four times there were these large objects in the sky. Um, in terms of a being, I've only had that one experience in my living room. Mm. That's it. Right. But paranormal experiences, I had like two and a half years of nonstop paranormal experiences. Okay. After I had that interaction with that object in the sky with my daughter and my friends. Okay. Mm -hmm. It like was nonstop. And whatever this intelligent was, it also gave me spirituality mm. through a series of near-death experience related events. <laughs> okay. Uh, so it's like they converted me. You know, because um, what I realized later on was that if I'm doing the work that I'm doing, I cannot remain an atheist. OK, right. I have to understand that this whole afterlife, the post death aspect of, of our reality is a very real reality. Um, so whatever this intelligence, I won't go into how that took place. It's a very lengthy conversation. Right. But again, it's these all these paranormal experiences that happened. And then all of a sudden it stopped. OK, mm -hmm. and I think it stopped. It was to let me do my work because that's when my the work began with, with all these PhD academics. Right. So, uh, um, oh, yeah. Have you noticed any similarities to these people who have had contact to similarities like NDEs, like, um, you know, people with NDEs kind of when they're around electronics, things don't seem to work as well. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. Manipulation of space and time, different things like that. Can you comment yes, on that? Yes. Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. Most definitely all of that. Um, first of all, communication, how does it take place? Is it lips flapping? <laughs> no, it's mind to mind. Right. Okay. As I said earlier, the number one type of being that people were seeing were the energy beings. Mm -hmm. Okay. Number two were these human looking beings. So far, similar to NDEs, right? 
Right. Okay. And then the ghosts and spirits. Okay. A lot of people uh, uh, discuss their their envy experience and and seeing that non-human intelligence is sort of like a like a ghost or a spirit type of silhouettes formats again. So uh, three out of the top four in the UFO contact experiences were just like NDEs, hmm. telepathic communication. The watches, right? You would talk to uh, tons of uh, UFO contact experiences. They would tell you about the watches, okay? I never realized that it was associated with NDEs and electronics, okay? Mm-hmm. The reason why uh, I found out about that, I heard um, this um, a professor. He was a professor at the University of Virginia, the School of Medicine out of the, the Division of Perceptual Studies. He's one of the major NDE researchers in the world, Dr. Bruce Grayson, mm-hmm. okay? So he's published a lot of academic articles on um, on near-death experiences. Um, and he's lectured before the International Association of Near-Death Studies numerous times. So he is truly one of the pioneers of, of, of this field, mm-hmm. and he's now retired, okay? Um, but I heard a lecture that he gave this was, I don't know how many years ago, but he talked about people, they can't wear wristwatches. Their computers malfunction all the time, mm-hmm. okay? They undergo a street light, and all of a sudden, the light, you know, flickers on and off, okay? Uh, but more than anything, the watches, you know, and the computers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, holy cow, that's the same thing with UFO contact experiencers, mm-hmm. okay? And um, um, I'll give you an example of a... a a very close friend of mine. Um, he's in his uh, early 70s. He's a retired DEA federal agent, Drug Enforcement Administration. He's one of the uh, one of the people that brought down Manuel Noriega, okay, okay from Panama, mm-hmm. because uh, they caught him peddling, you know, tons of, uh, of of coke, you know, in his own private planes. And um, um, the dictator of of um, of, of Haiti, uh, Duvalier, back in the 70 late 70s and eight, early 80s i think it was so that that's at the level that this man was at okay and um but yet he's one of the world's major contact experiencers he's had everything in the book you name it he's had it okay wow. and his wife his wife is a phd uh, psychologist but yet nobody knows about them because they're all quiet but they're very close friends of mine you know mm-hmm. um we when i lived in miami we used to go out every two weeks you know for lunch and um, one time we went to a conference and he had a, a this very nice watch, you know, that someone gave him to as a gift, uh, his daughter, I forgot what it was. Mm-hmm. And he had just had the batteries replaced. Okay. And, and then all of a sudden it just stopped working and he was all upset. You know, these batteries, I just put them in and they stopped working, you know? And then that night, that there was these flashes of lights inside the room. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we knew some weird stuff was going on. Right. And then after it all finished, and eventually, you know, he, he picks up his watch because it was already, uh, he had been up, you know, like an hour with these, uh, with these flashing lights, he and I, okay? He picks up his watch and it's working again, okay? <laughs> so that's just an illustration of how the UFO contact experiencers are having similar experiences. Also, there's a manipulation of space-time with both events. Mm-hmm. What we discovered in, in our surveys, um, one of the major findings is that these events involve a manipulation of space-time. Okay, mm-hmm. 50% of the people that took our survey, 50% were brought to what we called a matrix reality. I don't know if you've ever seen Jodie Foster's movie, mm-hmm. uh, Contact. Yes. Okay. Some of your audience members might have seen that where mm-hmm. she was brought to another reality. 
And then she interacted with her deceased father. It's very similar to a near-death experience, okay, right. in this other reality. And it appeared like a hologram. Okay, well, 50% of the people had very similar experiences, okay? Um, so we know that the UFO contact experience, maybe not while you're watching the damn UFO, okay, but within your life. It's like after you pierce that veil, then these paranormal ex experiences occur, okay? Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, that that's that's a, a a major research finding that we had. Fifty percent had a medical healing. Okay, how many people have had NDEs have had a medical healing? Okay, uh, you go to these lectures. Um, uh, uh, Damien Brinkley, Anita Morjani. Um, I could go on and on and on. All these very well known people that lecture on on near death experiences, they've had medical healings. Mm -hmm. Anita Morjani had her whole body. Uh, cancer had, uh, what's the term, um, metastasized, you know, had mm -hmm. spread throughout her whole body. And she was, uh, uh, had an NDE and, you know, God, you know, the universal mind, this energy being communicated with her. Tell the doctors, you don't need all this chemotherapy, you know, because you're, you're cured, you're totally healed. So after she came out of her coma, everyone was surprised that she was still alive. And so uh, I don't know if you've heard of Anita Morjani's uh, story. A uh, very, very well-known uh, near-death experience. One of the major ones mm -hmm. that are one of the most well-known stories that are out there. She's had several books uh, that she's written. And um, and so anyway, so then uh, when she wakes up from her coma, people were surprised that she was still alive. And she tells the doctor, you know, no more chemotherapy. And the doctor said, we're not going to give you chemotherapy anyway because, you know, told the other family members that you don't have much time to live. You know, mm. so don't worry about the chemotherapy, you know, but because they already had diagnosed that her whole body was metastasized. Well, what happened was like over a few days, all of a sudden they discovered she had no cancer. OK, well, in our UFO contact uh, uh, surveys, 50 percent of the people had a medical healing. Wow. Just like our dog. Remember, I told you about the healing of our dog. 50 mm. percent of the people. Okay, including three of the members of the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Research Committee mm -hmm. that were doing that research study. Might as well. Okay, uh, uh, but people don't talk about these things yeah. because if you openly talk about these things, they'll think you know uh, you're you're yeah. unstable. You right. know, right. especially if you're not retired, if you're still working. You know, yeah. so it's a very common phenomenon, uh, also in the NDE field. Um, uh, so there are numerous parallels. I could go on and on with these similar examples, mm. but that's what we're studying, you know, our group. You know, what are the parallels? How are they interrelated? Uh, Dr. Jeffrey Long, um, who is a, a medical doctor and oncologist in uh, uh, Huma, Louisiana. Mm. As I said uh, before uh, uh, we became live, um, he's been collecting uh, statistics via uh, several surveys um, on his website. And he has over 14,000 near-death experiencers that took that survey. Wow. Okay. And it's quite extensive. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, he's done a survey on out-of-body experiences. Uh, again, associating OBEs as well with the, with the NDE phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And um, and it was, uh, if I recall, it was more than 4,000 people that took that OBE survey. Hmm. And we have two PhD statisticians in our organization. Um, one is a professor of information sciences. Mm -hmm. All he does is just pure number crunching, that, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And so we're now analyzing 
his uh, two data sets on NDEs and OBEs and our free data set on UFO contact experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, we're doing it at a very highly sophisticated uh, 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 level, mm-hmm. uh, this work. But Dr. Jeffrey Long mm-hmm. is uh, the co-research director of our organization, the Consciousness and Contact Research Institute. And, um, and he also believes that consciousness is primary. Mm-hmm. Okay, Dr. Raymond Moody, uh, the pioneer of modern near-death experience uh, research. Also, consciousness is primary, okay? Um, uh, many of the top researchers in the field, uh, um, Kenneth Ring, Dr. Kenneth Ring, a retired professor uh, of psychology out of the University of Connecticut, uh, who uh, I speak with, um, you know, uh, I, would, I wouldn't say frequently, but, you know, every six months or so we... We, we communicate and exchange ideas and thoughts and things of that sort. And uh, he also, we had borrowed some of the questions from his book, 1992 book titled The Omega Project. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it was a book where he compared near-death experiencers with UFO contact experiencers. So, um, so he knows of that connection because he wrote about that in 1992. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, but yet if you talk to, um, uh, um, Dr. Lynn Kasten, for example, she was the, the president of the International Association of Near-Death Studies. Okay, mm-hmm. I don't think she full served her full term of a whole year mm-hmm. as the president of that organization. She left. Why? Because most of those people that were involved with the International Association of Near-Death Studies, they had these blinker lights on, you know, uh, these um, uh, blinkers on that these horses have and in Central Park, you know, yeah. you can only see straight ahead. They can't see to the side. Right. And um, to them, it's, it's just UFOs. It's just UFOs. Right. Same thing. Excuse me, um, NDEs, NDEs. The right, UFO right. people, the same thing. Yeah. And and so um, uh, in our first book, Beyond UFOs, we had several um, uh, chapters that talked about uh, that we need to focus towards the greater paradigm instead of being pigeonholed in these little boxes. Mm-hmm. Um and um, uh, and we'll we'll continue that with with the new book, uh, the the three volumes in our series. Mm. But uh, just to let you know that we have these high powered uh, researchers in these fields, all these different fields. Uh, we have one of the founders of remote viewing, mm-hmm. um, uh, Dr. Um, uh, Schwartz. Um, oh goodness, uh, pre Alzheimer's is horrible. Wow. Uh, it's not. It's not. It's not Gary Schwartz. He he is in our group too as well. He he got a PhD from Harvard and was a tenured professor at Harvard and then Yale and now he's at the University of Arizona, mm-hmm. and um, and he's been doing research on mediumship, and um, um, for many 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 years. But it's uh, uh goodness, I would have to revert back to my. This document that I have had here, but basically he's one of the the the, the founders of, um, of of remote viewing. He was writing about this in the uh, uh, in the early seventies before the Stanford Research Institute. Right. Um, um, uh, Stephen Schwartz, Stephen Schwartz, um, and um, um, so again we we have uh, um, and he's written numerous books and numerous academic articles on 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 all of this, and he also says. Consciousness is primary, right? You know, right. It, it's our, our reality is not what we think it is. Right. So you, you have all these, uh, Dean Radin, mm-hmm. a very, very famous uh, 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 researcher the, uh, uh, in the Institute for Noetic Sciences. He's published three major academic books on consciousness and the sci phenomenon. And again, 
right? Consciousness is primary, <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, the, right. All these people have come to understand that our reality is not what we think it is. It's much, much more complicated. We have no answers. We're mm -hmm. totally clueless mm -hmm. as to what the hell is going on, okay? Mm -hmm. But we know it's much more complicated than just uh, green little men, little ETs, little greys and things like that, you know, flying around in a physical craft and coming from, you know, some planet or something like that. It's, um, uh, all of these paranormal experiences are all interrelated, and we just do not have the basic understanding of what really is going on. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, you know, Ray, I'm running short on time. So before I go, I want to be able to tell everybody, and maybe you can tell us, where do we find your books at? And what is the best way to contact you and find out more about the Consciousness and Contact Research Institute? Yes. Um, um, I can give uh, um, all of the listeners that send me an email mm -hmm. at info, I-N-F-O, at experiencer, C-E-R, mm -hmm. dot org. Okay. okay. Send me an email requesting these free documents, and I'll send you um, several chapters from our book, the first book, Beyond UFOs. Mm -hmm. um, I'll send you information about the, the old Dr. Edgar Mitchell Free Foundation. Um, I'll send you... Um, chapter one, which has lots of our data. It's a hundred, more than a hundred pages of pure data from mm -hmm. that research study. I'll send you a chapter on the medical healings and we have 12 case studies. And that was written by our medical doctor, jo Dr. Joseph Burks, and also Preston Dennett, who's written more than 20 books on, on the UFO theme. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and our, the summary of our research study, which I sent you mm -hmm. and information about the consciousness and contact research Institute and our new book, mm -hmm. our new book is titled a greater reality, the new um, paradigm of uh, the paranormal and the contact modalities. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so you can get to see our front cover. Um, and then later on, once our book is released, uh, we can then send to your email uh, several chapters. So you could take a, a sample uh, look at it. Um, and, and again, our, our mission here is to try to educate humanity um, of, of the science uh, behind uh, the paranormal. And, and that we're all interrelated, that all of these paranormal experiences are interrelated, and that we're just beginning to try to understand what are the questions to ask, let mm -hmm. alone the answers. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, this is not to be taken as a joke, you know. Yeah. There's literally, you know, hundreds if not millions of people around the world um, that are having these experiences. And uh, I'm sure, let me put a message out to the audience members, okay? okay. Ask all of your friends. Ask all of your family members, okay, do they know of anyone that has seen a ghost, anyone that has had an out-of-body experience, anyone that's had precognition, okay, um, seen a UFO, okay, and even a near-death experience. The, the near-death experience, I would say, is the smallest group of it, you know, because you have to have been close to death <laughs> right. uh, or have an experience that frightened you into, you know, the, the NDE. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but, but I, I bet you, you'll find somebody. Yeah. I saw a, 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 what I considered to be a ghost, you know? Uh, yes. I might've seen a UFO, this object that just hovered and just took off, you know, super fast in, in the sky. Uh, yes. I've, I know people that have had an autobiography experience. Like for example, when, when I started asking people, you know, these questions, we found out that one of the deacons at my wife's church 
is having repeated out-of-body experiences, okay? One of my closest friends were ha- was having out-of-body experiences. I didn't know because I never told anybody. They were just quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, the man who led the prayer ministry, there was a, a period before these experiences began where um, I had to go to church every Sunday. I had to go every Thursday to group prayer meetings, you know, like in a Pentecostal church, hallelujah, hallelujah. Mm-hmm. If not, there was no supper for the entire week, you know? <laughs> and so the man who headed that, had a near-death experience, and he told selected members from the, the men's group uh, of, of his experience. Mm-hmm. He went to the Monsignor. The Monsignor said, shh, don't tell anybody. The Catholic Church doesn't believe in that stuff. Don't talk about it anymore. Wow. So here's a man who had an experience with, you know, quote-unquote, God, saw deceased relatives, which is like the best testimony, you know, of the afterlife, and the existence of God, but yet, you know, the head of the church told him, keep quiet, you know, the church doesn't believe in that stuff. So uh, there was a total of nine people altogether in the church that had NDEs, okay? Because I would always be talking about it to everybody. Mm -hmm. And little by little, you know, people that have seen UFOs, people have had out-of-body experiences, people have seen ghosts and spirits. It's like, and then I eventually realized there was a certain point, like, holy shit, you know, it's like, Half the people I talk to have had something or know somebody that has had something. Mm-hmm. So that's the the test that I want to put out to your audience members. You know, mm-hmm. make it a goal of asking all of the friends you know, all of your family members, and do it in a tasteful way so it's not a joke. You know that you're very serious, mm-hmm. and lo and behold, hopefully someone will come out of the closet. Mm-hmm. But the vast majority of people will just stay quiet. They won't admit it out of fear and ridicule. Wow, that was amazing. So again, info. Info at experiencer.org. All right. And I'm going to put that down in the, in the description of the YouTube video. Some people you're going to be listening to this. I hope you got that. And also, if you still missed it, you can go to my YouTube video on our YouTube channel, um, Jeff Mara podcast, and I'll put that in the description so you can find that again. Ray, thank you so much for your time tonight. I really, really appreciated it. I mean, you have, it was a great podcast. Very, very interesting. I wish you massive success with your next book. If you do more research, I look forward to hearing more of what the results are. Correct. Thank you, Jeff, for for the invitation. And again, it's not my research. Mm -hmm. It's a very large group that's doing this, and it's not my book. We have three other co-editors. All Mm -hmm. of them are retired academic professors. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of them, as I mentioned before, Rudy Shields, this retired professor of astrophysics from Harvard. Mm -hmm. Another one is uh, Dr. John Klimo, who's a retired professor of psychology. And he is one of the few academics that primarily focused on the paranormal. Okay, Mm -hmm. you don't find that in academia. Mm -hmm. So that was his main focus, primarily to investigate the paranormal. He's written three books on various aspects of the paranormal. Mm -hmm. One of them uh, is the afterlife. Uh, he wrote a book about that. And then also uh, Michael, Dr. Michael Grosso. Michael Grosso got a PhD in philosophy from uh, Columbia University. Mm-hmm. So we're talking, you know, heavyweights here. And he was a professor for over 40 years. And he uh, was affiliated for, for the last 10 years or so with the University of Virginia, the Division of Perceptual Studies. Mm-hmm. He's written um, several chapters for their, their two monstrous books, um, uh, so, I mean, we're talking about very serious, credible uh, academics here. Those are the other three co-editors of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's a collaborative uh, 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 project, uh, uh, our next book, which is titled A Greater Reality. It's been an amazing podcast. I mean, so much information. We could keep going on forever, but, oh, yes, but, yes, but yes. we ran out of time. <laughs> Thank you for the invitation, Jeffrey. Thank you very much. And later on, as as 
as we develop uh, our research. Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe I could come back once the book is published. Uh, that would be great. And I honestly would like to maybe um, next time you go to one of these things, I would like to go myself and see UFOs. Oh, yes. You, you know what you can do? Here's a tip I forgot to mention to your audience members. On Facebook, uh, there's an organization um, titled, um, and my Alzheimer's is acting up today real bad. Um, uh, Costas Macrius called, um, he's one of the organizers, and his wife is Hollis Polk, P-O-L-K, Hollis. Mm -hmm. She's a Princeton graduate, master's from Harvard as well. And he's a, an engineer. So we're talking about, you know, competent people here. They both are major experiencers. And they um, they started this group that promotes uh, 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 CE5 experiences throughout the world. Mm -hmm. And he networks people to get together as a group. So you find out, for example, um, the city that you live, you type your zip code in, and it'll mm -hmm. show you all the people in your area within, let's say, a 20-mile radius that have the same interest. Mm. So you'll email them and say, look, man, you know, anything happening this month or the next uh, three or four months. So you get together as a group, and as a group, you go out oh, and, okay. and you do the CE5. So it's um, goodness, I, horrible, my, my memory. I apologize for that. But it's no, um, okay. uh, uh, type in on Facebook, on Facebook, type in Hollis, H-O-L-L-I-S, mm -hmm. uh, Polk, P-O-L-K. Uh -huh. And let me uh, just try to get it here on, on, on Facebook here. Um, but but if you send me an email, mm -hmm. uh, I'll send you uh, the name of his organization and, 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 and the link. Mm -hmm. But let me just do um, real quick. Okay, uh, right, right here. Um, yes, you could find Hollis Polk, P-O-L-K, H-O-L-L-I-S. And the name of their organization, please, please don't. Don't let me down. Um, anyway, send me an email <laughs> and I'll send it to you. It's her and her husband. Mm -hmm. um, they run this um, this uh, website, this organization that matches up people all over the world to do CE5. All right, great. All right, Ray. Well, thank you very much. I hope you have a wonderful evening. I appreciate it again and um, have a great weekend. Thank you very much and uh, good evening to all the listeners.